From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a lot. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, she tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot. Yeah. And who the ball, the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, and pay attention. This is Dr. Cavill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike is out on assignment. So we brought in none other than adjunct professor. I think we can move him to clinical professor now, especially <laughs> you, you get you get all the spoils as well. We got visiting clinical professor Joshua Simpson Senior. Uh, welcome to episode three forty nine inside the HBC Sports Lab Radio Show and Podcast. The show that's covering you the sporting HBC dash for all things HBC sports for institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBC sports culture, HBC athletic aesthetics, and facilitate the story of HBC athletic programs in the business of HBC sports. Best known, we call it just simply HBC sports pedagogy. You saw us give you updated background in terms of all things you can see in terms of the HBC sports culture for the celebration bowl all week on week long. We went into the coaches, we went into players. We told you this game would be magic. Anywhere else, I don't know what you got. But right here on Inside the HBC Sports Lab, we told you that this was a championship game. It had championship quality players all up and down the field on both sides. We didn't hide it. We didn't run around it. We told you this between the top two teams in HBC Sports unequivocally. Then we brought in uh, the football analyst in terms of Joshua Sims Sr. with all the knowledge he knows in terms of playing the game, coaching the game, being all inside and out. We gave you that perspective. We brought you B.J. Jones, another football analyst, uh, with his experience uh, coming out of the SWAC to juxtapose what Joshua had out of the MEAC. We had our own regular analyst, data analysis folks. We had the pregame. Guru, if you would, Charles Bishop and Mike Washington, make sure that you have all that information. So don't say we didn't give it to you. We told you. So hopefully you tune in and you ain't even had to hear about it from everybody else. Uh, tune in late when they told you it was going to overtime, fourth quarter, uh, with all types of plays, up and down, back and forth, great stars. If you can't be proud of this matchup in terms of HBC sports culture, I don't know what you will. 
wanting to see. With that being said, Charles Bishop, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Dr. Ville. It was a tough weekend, uh, tough one for the Jackson State Tigers. Uh, but I want to start off the show by congratulating North Carolina Central Joshua Sims. Uh, I tell you what, it was a tremendous game, and the Eagles got it done. Uh, they were able to uh, move the ball up and down the field on Jackson State, and they got the celebration vote victory. They are the Black College National Champions. So I tip my cap to you, sir. Thank you, With sir. With that being said, Joshua Sims. No doubt. I appreciate your steadfastness there, Sims. Uh, I would ask you how you doing, but I can imagine. But it's still appropriate. Joshua Sims Sr., how you doing today? A couple of days out? Man, uh, just, it's been a it's been a whirlwind of a couple of days, man. Uh, you know, Saturday, you know, kind of waking up Saturday and having the most stress I probably had in my entire, you know, somewhat young <laughs> life. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and then having to suffer through four hours of stress. They're inside of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but um, all in there, all in all, man, I'm 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 doing phenomenal, Doc. You know, um, you know, feeling great. And uh, uh, Chuck, uh, Charles, man, thank you, thank you for that. And um, man, we're looking forward to it, man. I, I've, you know, I, we're looking forward to what happens next season. I'm already looking forward to what's happening next season, man. And um, the work has just begun, and so uh, I'm feeling great, feeling great, Doc. We will talk about that, and we will get into our way, way too early top five. But let, let's, let's sit here for a minute. You know, the world moves at a pace that is not always fair. We need to celebrate the Eagles. You know, all of our crew made sure that we reached out to you as you had to take off right after to take care and get family home. So um, you got to celebrate once you got them taken care of. But we wanted to make sure that we recognize you. North Carolina Central Eagles, the players, coaches, as we talk about, obviously the fans and the MEAC in terms of the extension act. Congratulations. Uh, mm. Cigars are you. I had it for you. I had it for you. I'll make I know. It. Box it up and mail it. Uh, but it was not to be. Uh, but I also want to say kudos to uh, Charles and Mike in terms of work Charles specifically did on Radio Row uh, to make sure you got the extra insight. You backing it up along with B.J. Jones, Joshua Sims, X's and O's. Sounds like something's in the mix. We told y'all to stay close. We got something that's really going to be special, um, and you got a touch of it. If you were able to check us out on Radio Row, we promised you we would deliver. And you talking about X's and O's. If you didn't catch it, go back and check out Radio Row uh, on episodes. You can go to – BCSN and catch the whole thing. We'll go to Inside the HBC Sports Lab and you'll get a breakdown and you'll be able to see an episode dedicated to Joshua Sims Seniors and BJ Jones in terms of their analysis on their game. And in so many ways, they were spot on. They gave you ups and downs, what ifs, what to look at, open spaces, how do you attack both teams. Uh, and it was really fascinating if you're into that kind of stuff. And we promise you, you'll get more of that for various reasons. So I wanted to jump in and make sure that we acknowledge that. We've kind of said it, but North Carolina Central defeats Jackson State in an overtime thriller in the Celebration Bowl. The final score was 41-34 in overtime, and the North Carolina Central went home with the cricket celebration at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, uh, essentially the Black College champion. We will announce formally on the show who will we give in our Black College championship to. So stick in with that. We have a special interview uh, that we will make sure that you get at to get uh, even more information on that. Uh, before we spin it off and kind of give you all your thoughts um, about the game, 
we're going to get into some TV ratings. But before we do that, uh, let me start with you, Joshua, as the champion. Just your overall thoughts. You shared some of your personal emotion, but if you would step back in terms of being a fan um, and bring us your thoughts in terms of what you saw from your analyst hat. Man, uh, Doc, I could not have, you know, for those of you who do not know that when Doc is talking about a person who's played the game, coached the game, and sees the game just from a different lens, uh, I was an offensive coordinator, man. I played wide receiver in college, wide receiver and punt return in college, and I transitioned into being an offensive coordinator, you know, on the high school level and then became a, a head football coach on the level as well. And, and uh, you know, games like these are games that I, like, literally live for, you know, where offenses seem to be, you know, really kind of going back and forth and one-upping each other in certain moments. You take advantage of this opportunity versus that opportunity, and a defense shows you this, and you are able to make the adjustments. I mean, I was in <laughs> – I'm from the country, man. I was in hog heaven, man. Seeing <laughs> these offenses go at it the way that they were going at it, man. I, I've got tons and tons of notes. Uh, I've had an opportunity to go back and watch that game. Again, I told myself I wasn't going to, but uh, I had a chance to go back and watch that game again. Uh, this offseason, I plan to go and talk to some younger coaches who are getting into the game, getting into the coaching profession, specifically on the high school level, and really kind of shed some of this knowledge that I have, man. I, it, it's now at the point in my brain where, you know, after watching a game like that, I feel like I'm in information overload. After seeing how Coach Brett Bartoloni coached, how Coach Matt Leone coached, you know, and, and really just how these offenses played in this game, man, I, I'm still on a high from seeing – such high-level performance on the offensive side. And to think, man, you know, what this game ended up coming down to, man, if you're an offensive mm -hmm. person and you really, really care about this game and you care about how this game has got to look, man, you are absolutely 110% satisfied, but not more satisfied than I was that we got the W. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Charles, <laughs> other than not getting the W, take your fandom out of this, obviously professional analyst. What was your overall thought of the game in terms of what it did or continues to do for HBCU football? Uh, it continues to elevate the profile of HBCU football. I was uh, I, I took a second to just kind of look around the stadium and just uh, take it all in. And, you know, one of the things, you know, of course, Jackson State's fan base, uh, North Carolina Central's fan base, but the many uh, HBCU fan bases that were represented, and uh, I thought about, you know, John Grant calling this, you know, the, the, the Black College Super Bowl. And you did kind of get that feeling um, with regards to so many people uh, watching it and being there in person, uh, being able to network uh, around the hotel and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, I really I walked into that stadium and I just kind of took it in for the past three seasons now. Uh, all that uh, Coach Prime has brought to Jackson State, all these brought to HBCU football. And I just it, it just took that moment to really enjoy it before the game kicked off. Great points, great points. Check this out. I'm sure you may have heard this, but in case you don't, certainly for the listeners out there, uh, Celebration Bowl TV ratings for FCS Playoffs Challenge P5 and 2022 from HBCU Game Day. The weekend TV ratings are in, and the Celebration Bowl beat FCS Playoffs once again. Saturday Celebration Bowl between Jackson State and North Carolina Central pulled in a rating of 1.42 and drew an average viewership of 2.42 million on ABC, according to Show Buzz, Show Buzz Daily. 
North Carolina Central defeated Jackson State 41-34 in an overtime thriller. The number was just below the bowl game between Florida and Oregon State. Two Power 5 programs shown on ESPN, the celebration bowl also outranked other two ABC bowl games, Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Uh, bowl between Washington State and Fresno State, along with the New Mexico Bowl featuring BYU and SMU. When it comes to Celebration Bowl in the FCS playoffs, it is clear the winner isn't the playoffs. Incarnate Word and Notre Dame uh, drew a .62 rating with just over 1 million uh, average viewers, while San Diego State's matchup with Montana State drew uh, at .36 ratings that had just under 6,000 average viewers. For comparison, in, and I believe that Notre Dame is actually North Dakota State. For comparison, in yeah, the 2021 yeah. Celebration Bowl received a 1.6 rating and had 2.59 million viewers, uh, the most in the game's history. The 2019 Celebration Bowl received 1.2 ratings with 1.8 million viewers as North Carolina A&T and Alcorn State got in a shootout. 2018 game between North Carolina A&T and Alcorn held a 1.6 rating but a smaller viewership number of 2.35 million viewers. So overall, you can see people are tuning in for the Celebration Bowl. Last thing here, 2017 game between North Carolina A&T and Grambling had a 1.59 rating with 2.36 million viewers. Uh, 2016 Celebration Bowl between Grambling State and North Carolina Central had a rating of 1.83, 2.71 million viewers, the most in the game's history. Something secret sauce with North Carolina Central when they get in this thing. People like to see what's going on there. I uh, just mm. wanted to throw that out there. So I thought that was pretty sweet. Uh, let me finish this out. Uh, the inaugural game between North Carolina A&T, Alcorn State remains the high mark in terms of ratings at 1.89 and 2.55 million. Watch the inaugural game, which is, tends to be the trend. Your first of just about anything has your high water mark. It dips down, but they've been able to hold that space, which is extremely uh, important in terms of what that looks like. Um, so quickly, if you could, uh, Charles, what are your thoughts when you hear those kind of numbers? I'm sure there's a lot of pride uh, just in HBCU sports when you see those numbers. And we tried to tell them. Tremendous amount of pride. And again, uh, the numbers don't lie. Uh, when people get into these debates with regards to the Celebration Bowl versus the FCS playoffs, I hope you stop and take a look at the numbers uh, to really uh, understand uh, where this thing is going, where the Celebration Bowl uh, uh, is doing with regards to uh, people actually watching HBCU football. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer at this point, but I understand the debate will probably continue, but all you have to do is bring the numbers out. There you go. Quickly, Josh Simmons, before we get into this uh, break, any thoughts you want to add on those numbers? Yeah, Doc, when you, when you combine these numbers and what I'm calling, the, I'm just calling it the national championship now. I'm not I'm not calling anything else. When you combine these numbers with the attendance numbers that you see and the viewership numbers you see during the regular season, you combine those, and I make a very strong and starch statement. This is the culture. I made a statement earlier today that 90 to 95% of, of historically white institutions as it compares to HBCUs are irrelevant as it pertains to this sport. Most of them cannot push these type of numbers unless they're utilizing each other in some sort of fame or fashion. That 5% is where you make up the power five. Outside of that, it's very difficult for any of these other programs to put together the cachet and the results that historically black colleges and universities are doing when you talk about regular season attendance, when you talk about consistent attendance, and then you talk about viewership and consistent attendance as it pertains to our national championship game. This is amazing, man. This, makes, this, this brings a smile to my heart. 
Bridge smile to my, my my thoughts, man. And, and I'm I'm appreciative of the HBC, HBCU Nation for really, really investing in this and investing their viewership as well as their hearts and, and, and emotions into it as well. So only up from here, Doc. Only up from here. Well said by both of you as usual. One of the beautiful things that I saw with Mike as we did a pregame walk, obviously, was there Wednesday early. So you saw a lot of different folks. Uh, but particularly when you got in there Friday night, uh, particularly Saturday, getting up with the events they had pre-celebration uh, bowl and then getting into it, all the different support from HBCU uh, people around the country. Obviously, the major fan bases, Jackson State, North Carolina Central, showed out uh, as should be. But you had a lot of HBCU fans that were into this and have bought into terms of what this means for uh, what I like to call the HBCU sports culture, particularly the sporting HBCU diaspora. So I'll leave it right there. We'll go to this break. Great comments from the guests today. We'll get into it. Stick with us right after this break. We'll be back on the other side. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational. Powerhouse. Intelligent and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice. Kevers Voice. Kevers Voice dot com. Always on. All the time. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. 
visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love that and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab. You know, we talked about things around the game, but let's look, get into it. We might get a chance to talk about maybe some other thoughts, uh, do's and don'ts in terms of outside the game. But let's get inside the game, particularly maybe the first quarter. Let's look at that a little more, if you can, and talk about starting with you, Joshua Sims. Uh, in terms of the first, first quarter, was there a particular play or something about the game uh, that really stood out to you in terms of that first, first quarter that you were saying, hey, this is okay, or something that may even concern you early in that match? Yeah, Doc. I mean, uh, th this boiled down into, I mean, all four quarters were had their own different stories, man. It's, it seemed like all four quarters and the and the overtime basically had five different stories of what was going on. In that first quarter, you saw North Carolina Central come out and exert themselves and, and really, you know, really kind of take control of the game, uh, you know, merely because they got the ball first. Um, and, and I was already on the mentality that whoever got the ball first, was in most situations in football, you kind of look to see who gets the ball last. You're going to get the ball out of halftime. But I figured with this game and how high caliber these offenses, how high octane these offenses were, whoever got the ball first was who was going to be able to come out and set the tone first. So when you look at how North Carolina Central came out and they got the ball first, went down on that first drive and got a field goal, and then was able to go in and get a three and out against Jackson State, that was just a mere, I think, you know, kind of opportunistic because you saw even after North Carolina Central jumped out 10 to nothing, it still was a ball game. You know, it still was a ball game up for anybody's grab. Now, what I will say is this. In that first quarter, we saw something that didn't feel very familiar to what we've seen all season. North Carolina Central goes out after that first drive and they get a field goal. The second drive, they get the ball back and they go quarterback pop pass down the field and, and find their way inside of the end zone again inside of the red zone again. And this time they utilize the run game to punch it into the end zone. And then it's from that point forward that we start to see, oh, this is going to be a very, very, uh, you know, kind of high octane game. That's going to be the pass, the passing game that is Jackson State and a running game that is North Carolina Central. Wasn't that very cognizant of what we saw from these two offenses all season? North Carolina Central made their bones on the running game. Jackson State made their bones through the passing game. And we saw that in this game, and it started from the first quarter. Two last things I want to point out before we go there. After those first two scoring drives, North Carolina Central subsequently has two drives starting on the positive side of the 50-yard line and don't get any points. One was because of a forced turnover. 
I think both of them were because of a forced turnover. One was a forced fumble from Travis Hunter. The other one was, uh, I believe, was uh, either a sack or something like that, a six and a four and out or something like that. But at the end of the day, we saw two additional starts on the positive side of the 50, and both of them ended up in punts. I believe that it was at that point that I recognized that this was going to be a long game and that the, the punch that North Carolina Central thought they were going to be able to put on Jackson State and run away with it was long gone, and this we were supposed to settle in for the long haul of this game. It started right there in the first quarter, though, Doc. Great, great stuff, great stuff. Charles, first quarter, what stuck with you uh, when you play back and think about what happened in just the first quarter? The main thing that jumps out for me is the pacing of the game I, um, and and the, the tempo uh, that North Carolina Central used. Um, uh, basically running the play clock down, uh, uh, you know, down into the play clock before, you know, snapping the ball. And they were able to get – from what I remember, they were able to do uh, a very good job on first down. You know, they they didn't seemingly uh, paint themselves in, in third and distance. Uh, and, and that's what kind of jumps out at me. Um, but then, you know, they come down, they get the field goal, and um, Jackson State subsequently scores. But um, what, what stood out to me was just the fact that they were able to move the ball like they could. And, you know, from a sideline perspective, it's always very positive down there with regards to, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the coaching and things of that nature. But, uh, and it was always a thing of you're not doing your assignment. You're not doing what you've been coached to do. So for me, throughout the course of the season, when teams, you know, are moving the ball a little bit, there's an adjustment that's made. And I, I think I've talked to you about that, you know, how I marvel at the adjustments that they make very quickly. Uh, to kind of get the game back in their control. And, you know, it was seemingly it took them longer to get into the flow of the game. And I thought that was the big thing for me uh, with North Carolina Central jumping out early and really kind of dictating the flow and dictating the pace of the game. A little more to that. Uh, first quarter, as you said, uh, Adrian, Levo, 32-yard field goal with seven plays, 60 yards, 323 in terms of what was used as Central goes up three. Zero, just to give you uh, the scoring drives. Um, North Carolina Central is able to get the ball back. Starting at 727, they score. David Rich, four-yard run. Alivo with the kick. Four plays, 67 yards, 212 off the clock. It's 10-0. Jackson State comes back, scores 628. Big play. DJ Stevens, 24-yard pass from Jodor Sanders. Uh, Mata with the kick, four plays, 64 yards, 59 seconds. Look what's coming up here. Even when you have the same amount of plays with scores, one takes two minutes, a little over two minutes, another one right under a minute. So I'm starting to see this trend, um, and it's going to pick up more, and we'll talk about it a little more as we get into the second quarter before halftime. I'm going to do it in reverse order. I'm going to give you the scoring breakdown, come back to you all and say, all right, Second quarter, what went through your mind? Kevin Coleman's big 85-yard pass from Shador Sanders. Amada with the kick, three plays, 96 yards, just over a minute, minute 108. Jackson State goes up 14-10 in terms of breaking down the scoring drive in terms of what takes place here. Quick plays, big plays, as you talked about, Josh, is going back and forth. But the style in which the teams are scoring uh, is starting to become interesting and maybe a factor. We'll see if it plays out. And your thoughts on it. 
Uh, Jamari Taylor, 10-yard run. Alivo with the kick, 11 plays, 75 yards, six minutes and 50 seconds, nearly seven minutes on the drive. So, Central goes up 17-14, last touchdown, uh, 30 seconds left before the half. Shador Sanders, seven-yard run, made it with the kick, nine plays, 85 yards, sustained drive here, 321, really necessary in terms of ending the half strongly. Uh, Jackson State goes into the half up 21-17. Um, Charles, I know you wanted to jump in there as I was breaking that down. Is something that uh, uh, stood out to you that you wanted to get on the table in terms of what took place, particularly in that second quarter? Yeah, let me go back to when Jackson State goes up 14-10. They scored on a big play, uh, uh, a big play to Kevin Colton, 85-yard touchdown. For me uh, – and this was a drive that I think was pivotal in the game because at this point now, when when North Carolina Central comes back with this 11-play, 75-yard drive that took almost seven minutes, that to me was the turning point uh, for me with regards to, okay, we're in a dogfight now because normally you get a big play, and I've said this all season, uh, it, it becomes a snowball effect for Jackson State. Uh, they come out, they get a big defensive stop. They're able to go back out, score again, whatever the case might be. And now, you know, you're in a foot race to catch them at that point. But I thought this that, that drive, that drive was a pivotal drive for North Carolina Central to go out and answer that scoring drive by Jackson State. And not only did they answer it, but they took time off the clock and that offensive line took control of the game. With that being said, Josh Sims, Sims excuse me, uh, what about yourself uh, during that series? What is going through your mind as this is taking shape and you're starting to see some things? Anything stands out, particularly in the second quarter thus far for you? The exact same thing that Charles just talked about, mm. that 85-yard drive, at that point inside of the stadium, I'm on the edge of my seat because I've been watching Jackson State all season. I've been watching Jackson State all season, and he's absolutely 110% correct. It is usually at that moment, big-time play, that it takes the air out of the stadium. But I kind of get a little – I take a moment there just to kind of remind folks what happens, why there's an 85-yard touchdown there that happens to Kevin Coleman. North Carolina Central, the drive before, starts again in positive territory mm-hmm. and punts the ball. Because we started doing – North Carolina Central started doing things that was uncharacteristic of what they normally did. Two out of those three plays in that drive, they throw the ball. First down, you had a negative rushing yard to Charles' point about first down being the place where North Carolina Central kind of set the tone. And that drive, I remember distinctively. On first down, you got a negative rushing yard. I think they may have gained one yard, if any yards. Second and third down in that drive, they pass the ball. Both passes are incomplete. Now, I will say – one of those passes on that drive was contentious a little bit, might have been that offensive pass interference. But the third play was a flat-out drop by Devin Smith. Wide open in the middle of the field, he dropped the ball. We got to punt the ball and try to pin him deep. We were not able to pin him deep. You know, we punted the ball. And here it is, one play or two plays or something like that, Shador finds Kevin Coleman 14-10, and it is at that moment that I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. And I'm like, okay, normally this is when the air flows out of the stadium. But I did. I looked down at that sideline, and those guys were not 
shaken or worried at all. And it is that subsequent 11-play, seven-minute drive after that that tells me, okay, we got something here. We're not, we're not shaking. There is no problem here. They're going to be able to come back. And as long as Jackson State continues to keep answering, North Carolina Central will be able to answer as well. And at some point, this is going to change. And I know as we get into the, into the third quarter, I'm going to talk about specifically what happened in that third quarter that I saw that I said, okay, now this is an opportunity for North Carolina Central. Yes. And to your points, uh, as somebody was in the press box and I'm watching this, and I'm literally in the press box, um, and I have one game that has the in-stadium game on there that's giving you that feed. I have my iPad uh, with the sound in, so I'm listening to the actual ESPN production and play-by-play. It's about two plays behind, sometimes just one, depending on where you're coming out of timeouts like that. And then I have the stat ticker on. Um, so I'm taking all this, and so I'm purely just, at this point, a number guy. You know, I'm mm-hmm. in there. You're feeding it from different perspectives uh, on the field, in the stands, filling all this energy. So great breakdown. I start to quickly see one that really stood out to me, the young players that are making plays in this game on both sides. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, these young guys. Yeah, you had the drop there. And that kind of happens. But young guys that are making plays. When I'm saying young, I'm talking about freshmen and sophomores, uh, juniors in terms of some degree. But really young players. And you're like, man, this is a big-time game for young players to be stepping up and making quintessential plays on both sides of the ball. So that was fascinating that stuck out. The second thing that really hit me, especially as we go into halftime, the time of possession. And I'm like, man, this time of possession is just amazing how lopsided it is. The third thing that caught me is how much work both teams were doing on chunk plays, but particularly, and you kind of hinted at this, on first and second down. And, but they were not very efficient on third down, but they didn't get the third down. <laughs> I mean, the first half, they were like uh, one for like nine or two for eight. They just were not efficient on third down, but they didn't necessarily have to be still to be effective in this game. And that kind of stood out to me in terms of the first half. Let's take our first break and come back. We'll get into the second half on the other side. We'll do a little more of this analysis. We'll get into that, and we'll start reading and seeing what the fans are saying in terms of the breakdown. Again, you will not see this anywhere else in terms of the analysis that we're going to bring you in terms of breaking it down, and it's more than just talking, blunder, and noise. A lot of folks can do that, and nothing's wrong with that. But in terms of you getting you inside the game in the mix, along with people's personal uh, feelings in terms of what that looks like, but let's get into the matchup and really – give these coaches, um, these players, the due in regards to what the magic that took place in this game, unlike of just being super fans and being able to talk a lot of noise. We'll say that. That space has it. Social media certainly gives you much of that. But I just wanted to give a little different perspective that really took the analysis and gave uh, some perspective on the coaches in terms of of how they massively made changes up and down. The game went back and forth. Uh, so, so many good plays and adjustments were made by both teams. That's how you get a magical game because of what took place. And I want both of them to get credit. And even more so, I want to shine the light on these players that made these big-time plays that gave us all this excitement. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this second break. 
This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. We are making the virtual HBCU experience available wherever you live through Stillman Online. We offer online degrees in business, criminal justice, psychology, and religion. Stillman also offers technology badges in cybersecurity and data analytics. You can participate in all student activities, fraternities and sororities, internships, graduation ceremonies, and much more. Apply for admission today at stillman.edu. Stillman College, where we prepare you for a different world. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the... Press the analytic data with your hip-hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to lock yeah. and root about, about. So listen to Professor Yesa yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Great comments coming in. Uh, Brandon King talking about we put up these types of numbers with one... 100th of the resources of Power Five and Historic White College Universities. Great point. Chad Cooper uh, putting in his bid for some homework assignment topic. Dr. Phil's analysis of former Southern's coach Odom staff members, Leon Oliver, North Carolina Central, Barry Benedict, a successful champions now. That is magical. You had the connection uh, uh, with, with Coach Hugh, uh, T.C. Taylor taking on. So you had that foundational HBCU struggle that has came, came out, and you've seen the connection. You had Coach Oliver at Southern, for that fact, at Grambling as he comes up the tree uh, in regards to that. And, and so I think there are a lot of special assignments when you talk about that, looks like. And, and we'll continue to talk about that as we get into the mix there. Well, yes, the score on the first half, two possessions, that was big coming into the game as people are getting into the numbers. I love it. Number five, with that stiff arm, yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, in overtime, that was uh, big time. Looked like Earl Campbell, Derrick Henry, uh, in terms of just the power that was brought over there. NFL should take a closer look. Latrell Collier, Davis Richard, yeah, I'm sure they are. Uh, Richard has another year, so he gets a chance to be even more special in terms of bring back. And as I continue to tell you, what's beautiful in this game is just young players making plays. And we have some young players that are going to make some plays in the second half, so let's get back to that in terms of that third quarter. Let me break down what happened. We go into halftime, 21-17. Come back in the third quarter. Uh, Quentin McCall, 12-yard pass. A little trickery there from Davis Richard in terms of what's going on. The PAT is missed. Everybody obviously a concern when a championship game, and it plays out. Not that it um, changed anything really in terms of, but it did 
play out in terms of play calls that were made in regards to chasing points, if you would, based on just football. Nothing outside of what any coach would do uh, as it went. Uh, Levo with another field goal, 21-yarder, um, and you see Central retakes the lead as they go up 23-21, and then at the end of the quarter, they go up 26-21 in terms of that. And so all the scoring in the third quarter is from North Carolina Central. During the year, you would see oftentimes that Jackson State would really come out big in the third quarter. That did not happen in this game. And a lot of that had to do with time of possession in terms of literally um, the first drive, seven minutes and 21 seconds. The second drive was three minutes and 44 seconds. So you see over 11 minutes used up in uh, the third quarter, went to Central. Another topic of where you're saying controlling the uh, clock in the game and keeping Shador Sanders that were able to make big plays, chunk yards, but it's hard to make big plays when you're on the sideline in terms of that matchup. So sticking with you, Charles, jump back in there third quarter. Uh, what uh, came together for you in terms of what you saw taking place coming out of halftime in the third quarter? I think this is where the shift uh, happens in the game. Uh, Jackson State has momentum going into halftime. Uh, they get the ball back, and uh, they, if I'm not mistaken, they go five plays out and punt. Uh, the next possession by Central uh, was a huge possession because they sort of take control of the game with this 12-play, 87-yard drive, and the offensive line really got the wearing down on the Jackson State defensive line. Uh, so often this season, I've watched, you know, Jackson State's defense step up uh, whenever, you know, they've been pushed, whenever they're back been up against the wall. And that drive right there uh, really stood out for me because uh, they could not get off the field. And it was the first time really all season I have not seen that Jackson State defense assert themselves in a way to where they take control of the game. That was a huge uh, possession, a 12-play drive. And then I believe Jack State gets the ball back. It's another quick three and out. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, is this the the next drive by uh, Central? Is that where the fake, fake punt happens? Yes. Okay. Masterfully called. Masterfully called. Uh, and I have to say this about the North Carolina Central's coaching staff. Um, every hunch uh, worked. Every trick worked. Uh, it was a masterfully called game, but that next three and out by Jackson State's offense it, it gave the ball back to Central, and they were able to maintain possession for the majority of that third quarter. To me, this is where the game sort of unraveled, if you will, for, for Jackson State's defense. Especially when you think about it, is they got the three and out, right, before the thing, mm -hmm. to see, mm -hmm. right, all right, maybe we can take some of this momentum back, but then you get the big trick play, and you score on it, you're like, oh, man, yeah, it's different. Josh, mm -hmm. see, from your perspective, what did you think in the third quarter in terms of as you were watching and seeing these and charting these plays uh, as they're going on in the third quarter? I haven't seen Brett Bartoloni have uh, very many bad series. Mm. Those, those first two series in the third quarter were his worst two series all season. I have not seen that gentleman make a series of bad calls as I had as I did in the first series and then the sec subsequent second series when you have something that is working I, I didn't quite understand you know 
going into conservation mode and trying to run the ball. What that ended up doing for North Carolina Central's defense, and you'll see this trend now happen from that point forward throughout the rest of the game, North Carolina Central now feels like they can pin their ears back and put pressure. In the first half, North Carolina Central couldn't pay for pressure. In the second half, because of those two series called by Brett Bartoloni, where you're running the ball, I think on that second series, first down was Savion Wilkinson, second down was Savion Wilkinson, third down was a small, a short sit route that came up maybe uh, two, two yards short. That those were that's a moment where I'm looking and I'm like, this is not very cognizant of the Jackson State team we've seen, and I'm not sure it's not the that's not a player's thing, that's a coach's thing. That's a like, I don't understand what we're trying to do here. But what I will say, kudos to North Carolina Central offense on that first, and you're absolutely right, Chuck. If I'm not mistaken, it was five plays on that first drive. Um they picked up the first down, like maybe on the second play of the drive, and then yeah, the rest yeah. of it was three and out. Right. North Carolina mm-hmm. Central goes down and has a 12-play, 87-yard drive to score. Seven minutes and 21 seconds comes off, at the, cl- off the clock on that drive. Mm. And you now start to see the teetering of this time of possession thing at this point. Like starting really? to get a little bit over, like over. Yeah, yeah, it's starting to really tilt. It's starting yeah. to really open up. But God, Bimo, love me, man. You can never <laughs> count out this Jackson State offense. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, dude, like, what in the world? And it almost didn't see it felt like we were like in an offensive twilight zone. It was like you get up and you're like, okay, we have an opportunity on this next possession to like get up and take it a little bit further. North Carolina Central on the drive with the fake punt has to settle for another field goal. Field goal. Yeah. 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 And so now I'm like absolutely in like shambles inside the stands. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like, I mean, you have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and we just keep doing stuff that's not very, very cognizant. And I talked about Brett Bartoloni's worst drives mm-hmm. called Matt Leone. Brother, that was your worst drive call. He mentioned <laughs> All season long, dog. Trey Oliver, hand, I literally saw it from the stands, Doc. I saw Trey go to the punter and tell him. He told him we were getting ready to fake it. I saw it. I looked at my wife and said, we get ready to fake it. And lo and behold, we faked wow. it and got all the way down. And the three plays that, that Matt Leone calls inside of the red zone are the worst three plays I've seen him call all season long. We end up having to take a field goal. And it's still a goddamn ball game. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Both of y'all, man. You talking about the way to break it down. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break and we'll get into the magical fourth quarter in overtime. Stick with us. We're going down the stretch, and we're playing it back for you in such a way, and it'll give you some excitement. Um, Something that I'd say, if you can, pull this out over the Christmas holiday with your family uh, that may have not seen the game for whatever reason. They're not as into HBCU sports. This is one you can share with them, you know, in those nights when you pull up and you have your either 
um, your magical drinks that you want to drink and you want to socialize and talk about, this is one you can put up there and it's sure to have great conversation and bring additional folks into the HBCU cultural fold. So think about that and consider that. With that being said, stick with us. We'll be right back after this last break. Hope you enjoying us as we get into it from a different perspective of what you thought you saw, but what you actually saw when we break it down pretty much play by play. Stick with us, we'll be right back after this break. Q Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q Time, an Urban Passport member. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvée. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left. And who the ball, so listen to Professor Yes, sir. Yes, sir. and pay attention yes, because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Gaville uh, with Charles Bishop and Joshua Sims Sr. We have the Professor uh, Charles Bishop, and we have now. We've elevated. He's put in the paperwork. He's done his time. He's been teaching <laughs> We have now the clinical professor. We have another one on the record, Joshua Sims Sr. Congratulations again in terms of not only uh, being able to uh, take part in this game. But in terms of your residency now, you've moved yes, up sir. to a professor. Well done, my brother. Well done. Hats off, as Charles told you earlier. Travis Hunter, 18-yard pass from Shador Sanders. But the two-point conversion failed. And remember, they go for a two-point, not necessarily just to do it, but they go for it because the extra point was missed earlier. And the way the game scored out, they go up 27 to 26. So the natural thing, fourth quarter, later part in the game, not chasing points. You go for two because it puts you up a field goal. So it makes sense here. Right. Nothing out of normal mm -hmm. in terms of what goes on, but the point actually fails. And we'll see how that does play in later about Central having to go for a two-point conversion uh, because of the point differential. 
Big play, Travis. I told you about these freshmen. It's set up by Kevin Coleman on a kickoff return uh, that goes deep and down the field in terms of that freshman making plays that we get to see. This was a 10 play drive by Jackson State. Um, so a lot of yards, a lot of plays, just for 55 yards, um, still under four minutes come off the clock, 358 in terms of what it took to score on the drive. Uh, you start to see Shador Sanders getting in a rhythm in terms of what he's doing, making big plays, getting out of trouble masterfully, uh, making great calls in terms of when things are close, that he hurries up to the huddle to not even allow a review come off which was significant in different parts of this fourth quarter as he gets it done. You come back, though, Latrell call your seven-yard run. E.J. Hicks pass to Davis Richard, your play, uh, two-point conversion, as you see. Richard Davis getting his mojo in terms of what he's getting done. You see Carl, uh, Latrell getting his mojo going in terms of being able to run effectively and hard. So the game is going back and forth now. Now Central is up 34 to 27. You're like, man, can you hold on your seat? What are we watching? You're in the stands. You're looking at it. Clock differential is there. But at this point, it's a game. It doesn't matter. All that little stuff goes out in terms of the stats of where people are. Um, third down, conversion, be hell. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it is what it is. And what do we see? Shador Sanders, 15 plays, 81 yards and scores with literally no time on the clock. It is at zero at zero when everybody looks up, fourth down. He converts on multiple fourth downs on this drive. Every time you think Central is going to hold up the trophy before the end of uh, the fourth quarter, eventually they do, but it's in overtime. You think they're going to get it done in this game. Jackson says not so fast, and they make plays. And these, again, are being made by young players, freshmen and sophomores, getting it done all over the field. And you have the magical catch um, by Travis Hunter on a fourth down play, corner of the end zone, gets his feet in, gets away from the cornerback. He's right there, uh, right behind him. It's not like he just totally gave him everything, but he had enough. He gets in there. Previous to that play, he almost gets a touchdown, or at least almost gets it to the two-yard, can't catch, catch the ball at that time, but he gets it in his hand. He gets it done, 19-yard, and we go into overtime. Let's stick right there before we talk about the overtime. Um, starting with you, Charles, since we just talked about the play, you can either go there or really walk down that. And so you have Travis with, what, four or five catches in the game, two of them for touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Both of them over 15 yards, 118, 119. Big plays throughout the game, but he uh, is getting it done. Charles, what do you see? What are you thinking uh, as this going? Uh, time coming off the clock, fourth quarter. Do or die. What you say? Let me let me walk back a little bit and, and, and go back sure. into the fourth quarter a little bit. Uh, Jackson State goes up 27-26. And again, uh, when you're down on the sideline, again, the positivity of it, is uh, you're expecting the defense to step up now and make a play. And I, I take my hat off to Central. Uh, it was this 11-play drive uh, where they answered Jackson State score again, uh, where I just said, wow, this is 
this is going to come down to the very end because uh, and it was this drive in particular, Davis Richard, to me, uh, he's getting, you know, seven yards on first or second down. You know, they weren't in a third in distance where uh, the defensive line could pin their ears. And then we talk about that time of possession. Uh, that drive in particular, I start seeing more frequent substitution. Guys are tapping on their hats. First time all season I've seen that. And throughout the course of the game, uh, Dennis Thurman, has, he's, he's been barking at them about alignment and assignment. They're getting up the field too 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 fast. Uh, they're allowing these creases where Richards can take this quarterback draw and get this four or five yards, get this six yards. So uh, that that sticks out in my head. But uh, when you take a look at that, that final drive uh, for Jackson State, uh, I go back to a fourth down where Shador seemingly he's about to get sacked. He gets away and he finds, I believe, Kevin Coleman uh, to pick up a huge, you know, first down that that, that kept the drive going. And freshman, that's where another freshman, freshman, another freshman, and that's where I believe, you know, it, it's 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 going to happen. It's going to happen. And then, uh, you know, we get down to this last play, and. Um, I remember seeing the formation, and I normally what I do is I walk on the opposite end uh, from where all the activity is so I can get a better view. And I saw where Travis was lined up, and I said, okay, it's, it's going to be in this corner here, and let's just see what happens. And I'm I'm expecting the safety or whomever to come over and help out on this play. So I remember, you know, as the ball is snapped and when you do a looks to his left, I'm like, here, here it is right here. And uh, I don't see the catch. I let the crowd <laughs> tell me what happens, and I fell to my knees. I, I couldn't believe, you know, the the emotions that you know uh, took took me through there. And it was like, wow, it, it's going to happen. We get, we're going to get this thing overtime and win it. But I, it was, you know, it was a magical play. I remember the the, the roar of the crowd. It's something I'll never forget. Wow, wow, Joshua, the other side of that, um, but. You see your team go down, as we talked about. Travis Hunter, you said this kind of off the air so you get to play it back. Um, but then your team pushes back, and you're like, yeah, this is what we do. Eagles, we respond. This is a championship team of the MEAC, championship caliber team. Now we know ultimately champion of HBCU sports. Uh, and then Travis makes the magical play to take it to overtime. Before we get into overtime, let's finish it in the fourth quarter. What are you thinking about? So, Doc, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna do the same, man. I'm gonna scale back. Okay. The first touchdown Jackson State scores in that first in that fourth quarter. I talked and I was very critical before the last break about Brett Bartoloni calling his worst drive. Ladies and gentlemen. That was masterful by Brett Bartoloni and Shador Sanders. I mean, every single play made sequential sense. So when I Ooh. say that, I just want people to understand from a coach's perspective, when you get into a rhythm where every single play you call just feels right, I mean, a positive outcome happens, you darn near feel like you are in, I mean, unstoppable. And I'm going to tell every single person that's watching this show what I thought when I saw that drive. When I saw that drive and I saw every single play Brett Bartoloni called and Sh that Shador carried out and that team, that offensive team, 
carried out. I said, if we do not score on this next drive, this game is over. Mm-hmm. This game is mm-hmm. over. We could not settle for a field goal. If we, I'm talking, we needed to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Or we mm-hmm. were going to lose that game. And when I tell you that in one hand, I was so, so proud of how Brent Bartoloni as a coordinator called that drive. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, the words cannot begin to explain how proud I was of Matt Leone and Davius Richard in that next drive yeah, in the drive they put together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, they going to get the ball back with like four minutes left. Like, what are we expecting to happen here? <laughs> and I'm going to call out two plays on that last Jackson State. I ain't even talking about the catch heard around the world. <laughs> Third and 17, if not 18, Charles. Yep. Yeah. If I'm wrong. Right. Yeah. Wrong right here. Right. Mm-hmm. The door finds Shane Hooks for about 11 or 12 yards. Yeah. Slant. Yeah. Makes, it, makes it fourth and eight, fourth and seven. And Shador Sanders on fourth down. He's coming outside of the pocket to the mm-hmm. right side, coming toward North Carolina. I want y'all to close y'all eyes and just see this. <laughs> We're talking about a master at work here. Yes, sir. He rolls out of the pocket, eludes pressure. There's an outside linebacker coming to meet him at the line because he's going to run it at first. Outside linebacker leaves his assignment to come to Shador to meet him there. Shador takes three steps away while running away from the linebacker, <laughs> lets the ball go and finds J.D. Martin for the freaking first down. J.D. Martin, that's made the catch. I yeah. said, Lord have mercy. What are we watching? Mm-hmm. I closed my eyes. <laughs> Charles told you that he dropped to his knees. I closed my eyes on that last play. I didn't want to see it. I didn't, I didn't want to see it. I wanted the same way that Charles said it. I wanted the crowd to tell me what happened. I was surrounded by maroon and gray. I think it may have just been one person that was a Jackson State fan in the, in the area, and they were in and out of the section. They didn't even want to, I mean, the food was provided in the suite we were in, all of that. They didn't even want to stand there. And I just closed my eyes, and I wanted the play to let me know where we national champions or had Jackson State done the impossible. I open my eyes and Travis Hunter is in the end zone doing the Antonio Brown. <laughs> it is at that point that Doc, I just I don't know what's gonna happen. What's and yeah, now we going in the overtime, and I don't know what's gonna happen, Doc. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you just quickly, and it's easy to do this. You know, Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon, I guess it is now. With all the emotion, and this, and this is credit to this is not to take away. This is credit to Brian, because as much as Flash or people talk about, when you think about his excellent results, he's pretty much strictly by the book. And I asked him this question: um, You know, if he scored in overtime, would he do it? And the same thing could be asked here. You know, you score now, you have all this momentum. Do you go for two? Try to end it now. Um, he said, you know, in overtime, if they had scored, he wouldn't have. And obviously he didn't. 
but just your perspective in terms of the motion, um, do you, do you, would you like to see it go to a two? I guess is a better question. Uh, I think a better way to put it now, would you like to see him go for two, Charles? Uh, no, I mean, I played for overtime. And again, I've said it all season in Dennis Thurman, I trust. I, I, I just, at some point, I figured the defense was going to make that stop. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Uh, but I put my trust in this defense all season, and I would take that trust into overtime. Makes sense. Makes sense. Just want to put it on the table. Josh, mm -hmm. coach, I'm sure the same thing at that point. Uh, you get out of there and let's go with obviously hindsight is 2020. Uh, maybe you do it if you know what's going to happen and you take your chances there. Let's get into overtime, last part of it, uh, pushing over a little bit. But we're going overtime in the show just to match what took place in the game. Obviously, um, you get the flip. One of the other questions I had myself with the momentum, obviously uh, you play it by the books. You tend to put the other – they won the flip. You put the other team offense so you can respond and see you have to respond. I'm like, man, you have all this momentum, and I guess you just natural question and playback. Do you – take the ball first and try to continue some of that momentum. You talked about the mastering just feeling good. You know, do you do that? And so I will ask you on this one, Josh, do you do generally what you do here, just which is the name of the game, you give, you win the toss, so you defer so you can react to see what the other team does. Or with the momentum, uh, you get the kick, do you take the ball first um, to see if you can carry that momentum? Yeah, that, that's general best practice there, Doc. Um, the over overall, you you you're a hundred percent hitting the nail on the head. Um, you normally get in these situations, and you want to let the opposing offense go first, so you know what you got to do. Yeah, and, yeah. I just want to uh, put it on the table. You ask me to make sense. Let's get the overtime. You get the big play. Um, you get a short yardage, and so like Jackson State probably feeling good. All right, they backed up. Let's make a play, and then you get the nice run by Collier. That ends with the uh, famous stiff arm that everybody is talking about now. That sets up the goal line drive, and they get in. Um, and then obviously Jackson State comes back. Uh, they move down the field pretty uh, and get into scoring position. They get on there and they call their own mastery uh, kind of trick play. Obviously, I don't even call the young man's name because I think um, uh, just because a young play, not anything else. Um, and he uh, drops the ball. Uh, third down, so it wasn't in. They still had another chance, but obviously it would have been a, a, a catch that would allow the extra point team to get over the tight and see if we go up and cover overtime, which would have been just more madness. <laughs> so mm -hmm. then you get the fourth down play. Uh, Central's defense stands up, gets a little uh, pressure on Sador. Uh, he talks about it in um, the press conference that he didn't see him quite line up like he wanted. He, if he had it over again, he said he probably would have just took the penalty, uh, whatever, and then tried his luck, then got him maybe a better play. Um, and the ball falls to the ground. And at this point, um, Charles is not to be done. I'll say you next, Josh, Joshua, because now, obviously, you realize you're a champion. Uh, but Charles is not to be. What are your thoughts in terms of this overtime, in terms of how that looks? Uh, uh, you know, it was just a sinking feeling in my stomach. Um, that they had worked so hard and they had done, unlike last year, <laughs> they had done everything right um, in terms of the preparation for this game. Uh, the, the proper amount of seriousness was there. Uh, people will point to distraction. 
this team is the most focused team I've ever seen operating under this banner of distraction. They they uh, came ready, uh, and I talked to one of the analysts after the game. He, he was saying there was nothing Central did that they had not seen uh, for Jackson State to not execute in the way they did, especially on defense, was baffling to them. But uh, it was just, you know, a flood of memories just came back all of a sudden. Just you couldn't believe you had gotten all the way here and come up short again. And But to, you give Central credit. Uh, they took the game to Jackson State. They won the game. I always believe in scoreboard. So the better team won. So that's that's the way you just have to look at it. Great points, great points, and uh, um, great way to respond. Joshua Sims, the dreams, wishes, great season. It's punctuated in a great game. Players step up, coaches step up, um, and they get it done. As you said throughout the week, you said there are some things that we could do in this game that would be put us in a position where we could win it, and obviously that took place. Uh, take us through a couple of series of plays in overtime, and then most importantly, talk about your feelings to be able to see people that you, you know, have been in the mix with. Uh, to all the work, unlike what Charles had, but in this case, it comes up with the fact that they're actually able to host the trophy and, and claim a national championship. Yeah, man, um, that overtime, man, um, you know, I, I can't, I will say this. Uh, though it is general, uh, you know, kind of best practice for you to give the ball to the other team. Um, I was hoping and praying that we would get the ball first in that scenario mm -hmm. uh, because I, I felt like, you know, during that game, North Carolina Central responded and, you know, kind of they just responded, man. And mm -hmm. and that's just the reality of that of that team, man. They, they respond. No moments too big. You know, they they obviously know that they have the guys – on that offensive side, specifically on that offensive line that can just make things happen. Obviously, we talked about this a thousand times over, uh, you know, through social media. It's a, you know, it's a it's a running meme now, you know, with the stiff arm from the trail Mookie Colliers. But, you know, just a kudos to that overall group, man. Never wavering, never finding doubt, never seeing anything. And you couldn't see sniff or hear any doubt in that offensive unit and that just overall team the entire game. And so, you know, I hoped that North Carolina Central would get the ball first. Like, I hoped that they would get the ball first in the game. And, um, you know, if if the history of that game kind of made sense and preceded itself, it would come down to something like that. And so I, I was very, very impressed with this Jackson State team, man, and obviously everything that they accomplished this season. Uh, you know, a loss in this game doesn't take away from, you know, 12 in a row. I don't know how many SWAC wins that is in a row. It's like 18 or something like that. Like, man, you're talking about domination. I mean, just domination. It starts and ends with them as it pertains to how they've done this season. And I just think that this boiled down to a great game. But you asked mm -hmm. me a second part about what this means. And, and I want to be intentional, Doc, if I can for a second. Please. All right. In July, I started HBCU nightly because I visited Coach Oliver in our program in July. And I I was there when I walked into the building. I probably said this story maybe four or five times. 
as I walked into the building, there was a gentleman who had uh, played on the on North Carolina Central football team in the in the seventies. And I walked up, and Coach Oliver and this gentleman were sitting down in the chairs inside of the front part of the offices. And they just, you know, I had my son with me, and they just was like, man, yeah, come on, come on and pull up a seat. And very similar to how it is with fraternities, man. What years did you play? You know, now how it is in frats where, you know, you're asked, you know, what, you know, where'd you play? What years did you play? Who who did you play under? What was your coach's names and things of that sort? And, and you know, I you know, I was able to sit down and, and, and gain a seat listening to these gentlemen. And I, I walked through, I looked at the brand new offices we had in North Carolina Central, and I looked at the boards, and I looked at, you know, I had just, that was when I just found out that Courtney Cord was there as our new defensive coordinator, that he'd come back home. And I was like, man, like, it's something special about what's going on here that I feel like I need to document this. But let me just take it just a step wow. further. My parents went to this school. My mother and father met. In the center of campus, my grandmother introduced my mother to my father in the center of North Carolina Central's campus. My grandparents went to this school. My father's only sibling went to this school. My younger sister went to this school. My grandfather, most of all of his siblings went to this university. So what this represents is something that's larger than life. And, and Coach Oliver tried to explain it at the press conference, but the words just can't come to full fruition. When you put on this maroon and gray, whether you're just a student, whether you're in the band, whether you're a part of the staff, faculty and staff, whether you play a sport here or whether you play football here, there's a history that you're, you're welcoming in. There's a sense of like, I just got to do this. And when we won this national championship game, in the fitting of the most, I think I had maybe two or three heart attacks during the game. I probably had a stroke somewhere in between it and all that. <laughs> but the very first person that called me on the phone, I was standing there with my wife who I met on North Carolina Central campus. The very first person that called me was my mother. Wow. Who was at North Carolina Central when the great Earl Harvey was there. And they were putting up mm. all types of crazy stats. And then the second people who called me were my grandparents. And we all were able to talk about the fact that we were national champions and that we can stick our chests out just a little bit more as we enter into our careers and enter into boardrooms and enter into rooms that we can stick our chest out just a little bit more. This is what this is all about. I'm not saying that people shouldn't choose HBCUs. I'm not saying that, you know, if you choose a non-HBCU, I'm not making it about that. I'm just saying that this means something to us. It means something to Charles Bishop. It means something to that Jackson State alumni base. It means something to Dr. Cavill and Texas Southern and Prairie View. It means something to the people who I, I just affectionately call the school down the highway and the Jamies of the world, the Jamie Walkers of the world. This means something. And it don't gotta mean nothing to nobody else. But as long as it means something to us, it's going to continue to thrive. It's going to continue to stay put. And it's going to continue to mean something to my family and the legacy in which we, we plan on leaving on, when we leave this earth. And I'm just appreciative that I was able to be welcomed in by the generals like Dr. Cavill and Charles Bishop this season. Man, y'all welcomed me in, man, and allowed for me to be able to tell our story, this story, 
and it culminated in the national championship, man. And I'm just elated, man. I cannot begin to express my gratitude to just HBCUs in general. And this just means the world to me, man. And I can't stop thinking about it. And so I appreciate this, man. I appreciate this opportunity. And we coming for a repeat, man. Mookie Collier's come back next year. Davis Richard, 92% of this squad is back next year. So if you want to put it up, put it up against the big dogs, and we'll get a chance to show you guys. And we're going to surprise you. Save that for Thursday. We will do the way, way too early top five uh, programs in terms of what to expect for 2023. Uh, it should not be surprised who's going to be at the top, but uh, we will tease you and leave you with that. Well said. Joshua Sims Sr., you have a place here. You've secured that. And I was serious in terms of moving you from the adjunct role to the clinical role. You've done that, obviously. Uh, Charles has approved that in terms of it. And you're talking about somebody that's hard uh, to please in regards to opening up this space. And it's not because he's not welcome, but because um, I have entrusted him with that power. And he was one of the first to come on board. Uh, that was outside of the, the group that I invested in to say that this is the platform we're going to have to show the world that we can do this and we can do it from a very intellectual, very strong uh, framework. Um, obviously, we know how to have fun and we can have fun with the best of them. Don't get it twisted. Josh will tell you that on some of our off calls <laughs> that we do this. But we needed a spot where we could hear Joshua provide a lecture like that. We needed a spot where Charles could provide a lecture like he did uh, previously and today on the show in terms of showing a side that it's not easy. A lot of folks can't walk that walk and talk that walk. He's done it uh, from a lot of perspectives. You know, uh, Mike, that brought me in to um, the fraternity from that perspective, uh, but brought me in as a little brother at Prairie View, as you talked about, with his family connection over the years. Charles has alluded to his family connection with Jackson State uh, and what does it mean? So we understand it. And so you're right. Your sacredness of this HBCU sport space, particularly for North Carolina Central, is right here. And again, as we close this, we um, say uh, with a heartfulness, congratulations, because we mean it. Uh, congratulations. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, that is what it's about, particularly somebody that has the ability uh, to take the win with the grace and honor uh, that you have done. That means a lot. So thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Khalil, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports. With Mike Washington is out on the time. He'll be back with us. Um, he's taking care of some real business. Uh, make sure that you wish him well, pray for him, because he has some great opportunities coming up that he's working on. Uh, as we continue to elevate on and off the field on uh, the playing surface. Charles Bishop, uh, much respect in terms of what he brings to the table and how he has went through all of this uh, in terms of being just um, full of spirit and grace in terms of taking it to the other side. Obviously, Joshua Sims Sr. Again, we want to thank you for Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. Uh, follow us as we continue to update you with all the latest news. We'll transition to basketball. We'll have a little more talk about this as we celebrate this through the week, but we'll start getting into basketball next week for sure. Might tie it in just a little bit. I was able to get down to Las Vegas to watch 
the Chris Paul uh, HBCU Challenge. Fascinating. Putting that overtime is well worth it. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Follow me, Dr. Yada Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-B-I-L. C-A-B-I-L, I should say. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter. Facebook and YouTube, inside the HBCU Sports Lab, download, like, and subscribe. My JVN, my BCSN, we continue a lot of work. We got a lot coming from you. We'll talk about next Thursday also a way that you can help and support us. Dream big, continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Horse. Joshua? Lecture. Dismissed.